Matthew chapter 18. Andrew Jackson was president of the United States. Many of you might know his portrait. He's on the $20 bill. While he was president of the United States, he actually, uh, a man was given a court trial and then condemned to die. And President Jackson offered this man a pardon, but the condemned man refused it. Prison authorities, the Attorney General the United, of the United States, and others earnestly begged the man to con- take the pardon, but he, uh, he would not. They tried to impress on him that not only would it spare his life, but if he did not accept the pardon, it would also be an insult to the President. The man persisted. The Attorney General then had to go to the Supreme Court and ask the legal authorities the Supreme Court, if this pardon could be placed upon this man without his consent. The court ruled that the pardon was merely a printed piece of paper or printed statement, and until the man accepted it, if he rejected it, the pardon remained simply a printed matter. When we're talking about the issue of pardon or forgiveness, it's very critical in life that we understand how this works. Because if you don't understand forgiveness, you're going to be one very tormented individual. And we're going to look at this this evening. Matthew chapter 18, beginning of verse 21, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should we forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For the, uh, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who has decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors uh, was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And the master was filled with pity and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded, but the creditor wouldn't hear it. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt would, could be paid in full. When someone, uh, some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him everything that happened. And the king called the man who uh, he had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy upon your fellow servant just as I had mercy upon you? Then the angry king uh, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tormented until his, uh, until he paid his entire debt. 
That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Let's think firstly about God's forgiveness, because this is a wonderful parable. It's probably not the first time you've heard it. It may not even be the first time I've ministered from this parable, because it is a great picture of forgiveness, of God's forgiveness for us. You owed God a debt you could not pay. If uh, right now, if your debt came up, if uh, I think the it's hard to keep track because it grows so fast, but I think the national debt is something like twenty-four trillion dollars. And if you had to pay that right now, if America had to pay, we couldn't pay it back. Even though our domestic product is one of the greatest in the world, and all that, we owe far more money, far more money than we could ever pay back without printing it and causing massive inflation. Oh, wait, that's what they're doing. Anyway, Romans 3, 10 through 12, as the Scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. No, not a single one. This is a... Taken out of the book of Psalms, it is an indictment against humanity. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of you have offended God. I have offended God in my actions, in my thoughts, and words. Every one of us would stand guilty. And there's no way we can pay it back. If you lived a hundred lifetimes and you were good from now till the end of the hundred lifetimes, you still couldn't pay it back. You can't earn forgiveness You can't get this back. This man owes million a debt he could not pay. Forgiveness literally means to omit or send off. It comes from the root of the word off. Forgiveness, forgave, forgiven, forgiving. It means to give up resentment, to pardon, to to absolve. It means to grant relief from payment. That's from a modern dictionary, Merriam-Webster. We're no longer held guilty. That's got to be worth a lot. As a Christian, if you don't grasp that, forgiveness will not be on your your radar, in your realm, in your scope. Paul, in almost every one of his epistles that he wrote, reminded people in some language or another of how they were forgiven. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world, He is the spirit that works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and the desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature, and were by nature uh, subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And he goes on to say, but God, who is rich in his mercies, with a Tremendous love. He saved us for by grace 
you have been saved. We were once living that way and God chose to forgive us. Martin Luther was a man subject to depression by his own, uh, by his own writings. And he said one time he fell into a depression and Satan himself was closing in on him. And it seemed like he was whispering in his ear, Martin, do you feel like your sins are forgiven? Suddenly Martin rose to his feet and shouted, no, but I do, I don't, no I don't, but I know they are because God said so in his word. Mistake number one is people think forgiveness is a feeling. If I could just feel a certain way. Peter, in his Peterness, comes to Jesus and he's trying to be like really spiritual here. How often should I forgive someone? Seven times, Lord? Is seven a good number? Seven's a holy number. We know that. In Vegas, it's a lucky number. Come on, it's seven's gotta be, it's gotta be good for something, right? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, Peter. Tells us in our text that this man fell down before his master and begged and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay all. And his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. You have to admit you're a sinner. Self-righteous, number two, self-righteous people don't do well with forgiveness because they get snotty. God's forgiveness, if you're trying to figure it out, is unfathomable. You'll never grasp. It's not just to justify your actions, oh, I got away with it, or... But God forgave your sins, cost Him His Son. Just like this man who wouldn't receive the pardon, you have to take God's pardon. John writes in 1 John 1, 1, uh, 7-10, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. If we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. If God said, thou shall not commit adultery, and you're committing adultery and saying, eh, no big deal, then there's something missing in your heart. If God said, don't steal, and you're stealing, God, you're missing something in your heart. Then you treat grace like I don't have to deal with my debt. See, a lot of people don't look at sin as a debt. They don't look at it as something they have accrued against themselves. 
They are kind of of the Britney Spears doctrine. Oops, I did it again. And that's it. It's this light issue. It's a major debt. Having debts over your head that you aren't sure that you can ever pay is this very scary thing. And there's no bankruptcy with God. This man is given a debt that he could never pay. He couldn't pay. If you and I right now owe millions of dollars, there's probably no way in you'd ever pay it. I know most of you couldn't just pull out your checkbook and write a check. But yet this man who had a large debt canceled finds a man that owes him a few thousand dollars. This is significant. Not just the five dollars that some say. In the original language, it's a hundred denarii. That's about a third of a year's wage. And when he found, left the king, found, he went to a fellow servant who owed him. Forgiveness is not an erasing of the consequences you've done. It doesn't bring you trust right away. You declare bankruptcy, your debts could be forgiven, but they are not going to loan you. You're not going to get a car loan, a mortgage, and a credit card for at least three years, if not seven years. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're instantly trusted again. It does mean that personally you release someone. When missionaries went to the land of Labrador in northern Canada, they started working with the Eskimos, and in their language they found no word for forgiveness. It wasn't in their language. So they began to make up one that simply meant not being able to think about it anymore. The word for forgiveness, to release, to let it go. Some people, they can't do this. They won't let it go. It happened in 1995, but they can't let it go. They can't let it go. Stubborn old farmer was plowing his field and the neighbor was watching him trying to guide his mule and finally he said, I don't want to butt in, but you can probably save yourself a lot of time and work by saying things like gee and hot instead of just jerking on on the mule's reins. The old timer mopped his brow and simply replied, yep, I know. But you see this here mule? He kicked me six years ago, and I haven't spoken to him since. How do you let it go? Ephesians 4 tells us. Don't use foul or abrasive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will encourage those who hear them. Do not sorrow the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, 
He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God through Christ has forgiven you. Words. How do you talk about people? How do you talk about people? Especially if they're not in the room. What's your attitude? It tells us in Ephesians, God's listening. And He's grieved. The Holy Spirit is offended when we talk trash about other people. Our text tells us that when the king finds out, he's not happy. He expected this man to forgive those who were indebted to him. God expected that. The king expected that. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I forgave you, but this guy, yep, he owes you. He expects you to forgive. It's not like you really get a choice in the matter. Because forgiveness is not about being worthy. Some people, they want to wait till people are worthy. Aren't you glad God didn't make you wait till you were worthy of forgiveness? I'll forgive you if you do X, Y, and Z. Now, forgiveness again. I've, I forgive people that I'll never trust again. What's the difference? Large. My heart is not angry towards them. But I'm not about to let them watch my kids, borrow my car. It's a very different thing. You're waiting for someone to be worthy. I'll only forgive them if they do this or that. Aren't you glad God didn't make you do that? What do you lose when you don't forgive? You lose favor with God. The king was mad. He was angry, it says in our text. He called this man an evil servant. Now think about that. Because an evil, we think about evil as someone who murders. Someone who, you know, these gruesome, you know, I, I like podcasts. One thing I can't stand is real murder mystery ones. I'm just not into them. I, mostly because I listen to them as I go to sleep. I don't want those kind of images in my mind while I'm sleeping. Because how many, you, you ever work things that are going around in your, around you while you're sleeping into your dreams and things? Really weird. You lose favor with God. God calls him evil. He doesn't say, oh, well, I understand. He owed you. Doesn't work that way. 
God does not bless your unforgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse an act of the will to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Very straightforward. He says, you're going to deliver this man. The Verse 34 of our text. Then the angry king sent this man to prison to be tormented until, his, uh, until he had paid his entire debt. Nelson Mandela is often quoted with the Quote of, you know, unforgiveness is drinking the poison and hoping the other people will die. But medically speaking, that's actually quite profound. Unforgive, uh, this is from John Hopkins' website. Whether it's simple spat or, a, or your spouse being uh, with your spouse or a long-term resentment towards a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It can affect your physical health. The good news is studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap a huge reward for your health, lowering risks of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. I wonder if that's why a lot of Americans are on psychiatric medication. They won't forgive. Just saying. Goes on to say that forgiveness is not about, is not just about the words you say. It is an active process which makes a conscious decision to let negative feelings go, whether the person deserves it or not. As you realize anger, resentment, hostility, You begin to, uh, as you release, rather, anger, resentment, and hostility, you begin to feel empathy, compassion, and sometimes even affection towards the person who wronged you. There's no time limit. God doesn't say, well, I'll give you 30 days, or I'll give you 60 days. He says, forgive Forgive. Let it go. Rule of thumb. If it's in your mind, let it go in your mind. If it's an open conflict, then maybe you have to deal with some of the issues. But there's people, I've talked to people, they're, de- they're mad at dead people. We're going to dig them up. Our text ends with the thought of why it heals. If you will forgive, our text says, that's why our Heavenly Father, uh, this, uh, that's what my Heavenly Father will do to those who refuse to forgive their brother and sister from their heart. God leaves you to the tormentors. And He says, you know what? If you'll forgive, you can be free.
You can let it go. It can heal you. Colossians 3.13 Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who has offended you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Nation oriental tradition, Eastern tradition, was that when a debt was settled, often this could have been a mortgage or a credit tour that was owed money, he would take the canceled bond and nail it to the front door of those who it had once been owed so that anyone could passing by could see that it was paid in full. You know, forgiveness is seen. It becomes obvious whether it's there, whether it's not. When it's there, you pray for people instead of gossip about them. When it's there, you avoid creating more problems. When it's there, your self-righteousness deflates a little bit. It should be obvious when forgiveness is there. Just like when the Orients would nail it to the door. Forgiving and letting go, it heals you. It may do nothing for the person who's the offender. It may do nothing for the person who has offended you and God. It may do nothing for them. But it's critical for you because it heals. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here first and foremost. You've never been forgiven by God. Jesus Christ is reaching out to forgive your sins. Your debts, your sins, whatever they may be. You're not going to be good enough to pay them off. You're not going to work them through. You're not going to take them out. You're not going to have your good overpower your bad. It's not the way... Life works. It is a debt you cannot pay, but the glorious news is that there's a God in heaven who will forgive you. He'll release you from your debt. He'll allow you to leave this place free from the burden of sin. That's a mighty mighty, wonderful promise. But you have to receive it. If you were to say, well, I have no sin. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not. God can't forgive you. God can't reach down. You make Him a liar. All have sinned. We have to deal with what we're not doing right before God. And He will forgive you. Just come and ask for His mercy. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you. If that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I need to get my heart right with God. I need forgiveness tonight. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You once knew God. 
turned away, offended him, got back in debt, if you will, to the Lord. You need to come back to Jesus very quickly. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Forgiveness is not an option. It is a command. To let things go. It heals you. It might do nothing for the offender. I've been lied to and lied to and lied. And I've just had to forgive. And I've just had to say, go on. I had one man swore up and down he was doing right, doing right, doing right. Well, his girlfriend's in the other room telling someone else that they're not doing right. Had to let it go. Wouldn't trust this man to tomorrow. But I've forgiven him. Pray for him. Hope he makes heaven his home. You have to learn. It's a commandment. It's not an option. You have to let things go. It'll bring health to your soul, your spirit, your body, and your mind. Why are so many people tormented and why are so many people on psychiatric meds? Many of them is because they won't let things go. They're bitter and angry at this person and that person and this person. And some of them are dead. Got to let it go. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to have time for people to pray, talk to God, worship His name, sing a song. Of all
Let's give Him praise and worship Him. Father, we thank You, God. We love You. We praise You, God. We glorify You and worship You. We exalt You. We exalt You, Lord. We love You. Hallelujah.